This is Biz. I'm a part-time working mom with two full-blown kids. And I'm Teresa. I have a family business, two young kids, and a toddler. This is a show about life after giving life. Don't listen with your kids, because there will be swears. This is One Bad Mother. This week on One Bad Mother, the more things change, the more they stay the same. Plus, Biz got a little something. Time keeps marching on for Teresa, and we talk to social activist and author Jody Patterson about her memoir, The Bold World. Woo! Bing! Hello, Teresa. Hi. How are you? Uh, I'm fresh off a weekend of travel to Northern California with my family. The Thorns Love a Challenge. Thorns Love a Challenge. We flew on an airplane two times. (laughs) Um, It was kind of challenging, but it was fun. We had a great time visiting family. And tomorrow is Curtis's birthday. He's turning two. Whoa. And... Everything is, like, happening right now. Do you know what I mean? (laughs) Like, it just feels like we have Grace, just, like, her whole world is kind of, like, opening up right now. Mm. She's, like, seven and a half. She is, you know, doing so great in school and, like, has new friends. And she has a lot of older friends. And she kind of, like, reads Calvin and Hobbes all the time. So it's just, like, she's just, like, now really... The world is big now yeah. for her. Like, there's no, like, sh- like the yeah. sheltering is, like, falling apart right. on her right now. <laughs> That's a great, um, great You know, like, the shingles are flying yeah. off the house. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and, We're like, going to open this up all the way. Exactly. I want to see from yeah. one end of the house all exactly. the way to the other. Yes. <laughs> and, you know, Oscar is going to be going to kindergarten, mm-hmm. and he is just changing so much so fast. Like he's just the stuff that he's interested in and his personality and how he's just the person he's evolving into is just suddenly like appearing before our eyes kind of. And then Curtis is turning two, which I'm having such a weird experience with right now. And I guess I'll see how I feel tomorrow and later (laughs) this week. But like, Basically, I it's not a thing that has caught me by surprise. I've seen it coming. Right. I've felt that he's almost two for a while now. I feel so differently about it than I remember feeling with Oscar. Mm. I I rem- I don't remember as well with Grace. I remember her second birthday. <laughs> I remember like what we did and like everything, but Like, with Oscar, I just remember that when he turned two, it was a very intense, like, emotional Mm. thing for me that, like, my baby was two. And it was really hard. And I was sad. And I'm not having, like, I'm not experiencing that with (laughs) Curtis. Like, who knows? I'm dead inside now. Therefore. Like, I don't know if it's, like, my relationship with him is different or... Mm. You know, I've just been here before or, yeah. you know, I'm just I, I mean, I just I don't even know. I I just I feel excited for him, but I also feel there's this feeling like, OK, this is going to happen whether I like it or not. Yeah. And I and because I'm not like intensely dealing with strong emotions around it, I have this feeling that it's going to come back and get me oh, later. Like yeah. later, I'm going to be like, why did I not like. Do you know what I mean? Like, it could even really... tie into other things, like kindergarten first day. Oh, totally. Hits you, and you're like, oh my gosh, why am I so upset? Oh, it's because I also have a two year old, right? Yes. Like, it could all 
exactly. connect. Exactly. And when Oscar was turning to, you know, you guys were really going through a lot, discovering grace and, and, yeah. and you know, so there was a lot there was happening, other stuff happening that yeah. really waited. So, like, that really could have brought that, you know, uh-huh. to light. And so, yeah. and it could also just be you're too fucking tired to I feel it right now. Tired. Like, you're just yeah. three steps ahead yes. running. And yes. that it's going to hit you, like... At two in the morning yes. or some weird time. Yes. What a fun thing to look I forward to. I don't like that. <laughs> it's not, yeah, it's, it's not like, a good feeling. I know. And, and it's not a good feeling to know, like, there's no turning back. I don't like, Yeah. Wh- I mean, that would be that way whether I'm feeling yeah. upset about it or not. But I just feel like, I don't know. I've, one, I don't know. There's it's very confusing. Like confusing. One foot no longer in the baby world. Yes. You know what I mean? Like, oh, both yes. feet are now. Out. Yes. And you are marching forward. Yes, I am. <laughs> How are you, Biz? I'm fine. I'm fine. First, before I actually get in to what I want to say has happened in the house, I would like to take a moment to do something I haven't done in a long time, and that is compliment my partner. It's time to compliment your partner. So... Stefan, I, I guess maybe a year or so ago, I was having one of my, oh, I sat on this too long and now I'm going to throw up all over you, <laughs> all this baggage I've been carrying around. And that was, I need help. Like, I need you to be involved in the kids' school stuff. Like, in the sense of, like, knowing what the fuck is going on. And, they, you know, we get these emails from teachers and uh, from both schools. And I just want you reading them. Mm. And not only reading them, but, like, actively participating and mm. helping them, like, on Monday, know what we need. Uh-huh. Okay? And he's actually done. He's going up and down. Uh-huh. But I do want to give him a shout-out that, especially recently... For all the things that Ellis needs to be remembering for preschool, he has started putting reminders into our calendar. So, mm. like this morning, I mean, last night it pops up. Tomorrow is B, because they have to, a letter of the week and they have uh-huh. to bring something in, oh. right? Or wear the red shirt on Tuesday for Chinese New Year, yes. right? Uh, Wednesday, you know, field trip, right? Yes. So, like, that's been so helpful. Yeah. It is. It's been so helpful. That sounds really helpful. It was really helpful. And putting things into your calendar is pretty annoying, especially if yeah. you're like sharing it with other person's yeah. calendar and like whatever. Like I feel like that's like a really He just does it. It's so nice that yeah. he does that. I really appreciate cuz not only does is he fully aware of what's happening. Yeah. I It's also helpful to you. Really helpful to yeah. me. So anyway, great. Well, thank you, Stefan. Good job, Stefan. Now, on to more important things. Speaking of, I feel like we've got a theme for the show. We do. And that is changing yeah. things. And that is, Ellis got his booster seat oh, in the car. Ellis. And it's like one of those things where you put him in the booster seat and it's got yeah. a back. It's like the clip-on yeah. back booster seat. You put him in it and you go, oh, you could have been in this earlier. Yeah, I got to yeah. extend this headrest. Uh, you know, <laughs> yeah. like, actually, yeah. you're a little big for this booster uh-huh. seat. But he was... So proud, Aww. and he uh, when we got to school, he unbuckled the nice. seat belt himself, Very nice. and he like stood up. He was uh-huh. so proud, and he got out of the car, and he was like, "I am a big kid in a booster seat now." Whoa. You can see that he was trying to like open the Whoa. car door too, you know, yeah. like trying to do all the big kid things. Yeah, and I was like, "That child lock is still on there, brother." Yeah. Anyway, it was just like really adorable and cute and at the same time it's like yeah oh every time i look over my shoulder 
There's an older child sitting back there in a different seat. I know. First comes the booster with the back. Then goes the back. Yep. Then goes the booster. Yep. Then goes my child walking out the door. <laughs> Just to get the paper and bring it back into me. Uh, so <laughs> all of this ties in nicely to what we're going to kind of touch on today, which is, you know, the more things change, mm-hmm. the more things stay the same. Please take a moment to remember, if you're friends of the hosts of One Bad Mother, you should assume that when we talk about other moms, we're talking about you. If you are married to the host of One Bad Mother, we definitely are talking about you. Nothing we say constitutes professional parenting advice. Ms. and Teresa's children are brilliant, lovely, and exceedingly extraordinary. Nothing said on this podcast about them implies otherwise. Teresa. Yes. The more things change... As in children growing, developing, patterns changing, all the stuff, going to different schools and car seats and all these new things they're able to do. Sometimes it feels like things also stay the same. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I think we're just going to have a little touch base today, a little check in on like how things are changing in our worlds. And yet, how they are staying the same, and I'm going to give, like, I can do an easy example, which is the car seat. Mm -hmm. Ellis is getting bigger, and he is growing. He's older. He's now in his new booster seat. Uh This is a big change for him. Yeah. Simultaneously, (laughs) he's still in a fucking car seat. I still got to help him get in there. He's still, like, is trashing my car with granola. I'm still going to always forever worry about children in my car. And, yeah. So, Mm, you know, like, it's not... I think I kind of want to talk about... When I pitched this idea to you, it was because I was standing in my kitchen last night, and chaos was just going on. You know, like, my children, yeah, they're getting older. I've been parenting for nine years now. So is Stefan. But I'm just kind of watching the same things, like, trigger me. Oh, and yeah. the kids triggering each other totally. and then triggering Stefan. And then I just was sitting there going, I literally said to myself, oh, this is all still happening. Yeah. This is all still happening. It's, all still happening. it's not like I woke yeah. up and parenting was no longer happening. Yeah. It's still happening. Yeah. And it's evolving. Yeah. But also this feeling <laughs> that it's not necessarily getting better hasn't changed. Okay, let me, Is that it? Yes. Can I share something <laughs> that this makes me think of? Yes, please. Okay. So, like, I think I've alluded to on the show over the last, like, couple of months that, like, I feel like I've gotten better as far as, like, the mindful parenting yes. stuff. Like, I haven't felt the need to, like, yell at my kids. Yeah. I haven't, like, really lost it in the house. I've got some systems in place or yeah. that are constantly like changing, but like I'm working out those systems and right. like we're sticking to a program and like <laughs> things are just things really are progressing in a really nice way. <laughs> and then like over the weekend, we were visiting family and we were spending some time with my sister and and her kids and her kids are my niece is about to turn three. Her birthday mm. is two days after oh Curtis's gosh. birthday. She's about to turn three, and then they also have a baby. 
and my niece, who I love so much. And we have a we have a nice little bond, even though we don't see each other enough, but we FaceTime and yeah. she knows me and I think she's pretty comfortable with me. But there's multiple times just throughout like a few hours that we're spending together where I'm using my like stern voice with Grace or Oscar because uh-huh. that is I mean that's where I'm at, like, yeah. 80% of the time with them. Like, yeah. there, there's I, – I don't – I don't even know how to explain – like, it's, it's yeah. to me, I'm so much calmer and right. so much more, like, in the moment and, like, focused and, like, using, like, appropriate language right. with them that isn't triggering them back to right. escalate, you know, further. But it's still just never a way that, A – I would ever talk to my niece. Sure. So she's never seen me do that to her. <laughs> or B, not ever a way that her parents would talk to her. Right. Because that's not no. where that's not where they're at yeah. at all. <laughs> um and it's just funny because I mean I like there's part of me that's like, oh my gosh, I don't even want her to like see me like this. <laughs> And I'm like trying to protect my niece from this awful how I talk to my garbage own household that is my own family, um, which is so much better than how it I think we've done before yeah. in the past. So yeah. it's a real mind fuck that whole situation. Yeah, yeah that so the is. more things change, the more they stay the same. I love it. I wonder. I really do wonder if because I I got a whole list of like you know the more. This happens the more that happens. Right. You know what I mean? Like, for example, you know, my children, they have so many better things to talk about now uh-huh. than they used to. Yes. Things that I enjoy hearing yeah. and engaging with them. Yeah. So that's new. That's changed. Uh-huh. That's involved. Like the, your conversation. Yeah, we're conversational. Yeah, what you're talking about. But yeah. what hasn't changed is volume and uh, and the never stopping. Yeah. It may be better things to talk about. Yeah. But- there's no end to it. Yes. <laughs> you know? So, yes. like, I wonder if it's, if this, like, plays into that, when they're five, they'll be better. When they hit this, yeah. I'm almost out of it. Right? Like, yeah. like that, that like, new mom feeling where, like, you're like, I feel like everything's about to turn around for right. me. Right? <laughs> <laughs> we laugh maniacally oh because... We're yeah. laughing because we've done it. Like, yeah. I still do it. I'm yeah. like, I'm still I'm just I'm about to get the hang of Just about this. to get We're gonna to a new place. Get there. Our li- I can't, how many years Stefan has turned to me and said, I feel like we're getting our lives back. Yeah. And then, like, I'm like, yeah. But, and then, like, a year later, I feel like we're getting yeah. our lives. It's like Groundhog's Day. It is. You know? Except, it is. Yeah. And so, like, there is change happening yeah. all the time. Yeah. However, <laughs> there's also things that seem to never be changing. Right. My tired level. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Feeling like I've got some grasp of self-care. Like a great example would be I got both kids in school, full time for the most part. Mm-hmm. I am suddenly, I have more time to myself than I have had in years. Yeah. And it's amazing. So I, sh- like. Yeah. So you should be I should feel full up full on self-care. On the yeah. self-care. Like daily. Like, like daily. Daily, oh, like yeah. mega I'm, amounts. I'm clearly of... spending that time wisely. Yeah. And <laughs> and yet, when everybody then gets back home, uh-huh. I feel like a raw nerve. Yeah. That's just, like, right? So, yeah. like, 
the more th- I don't want the saying to be the more things change, the more they stay the same. Yeah. I want it to be the more things change, the better it gets. <laughs> I mean, we may have nowhere to go with this today, yeah. but like I, we just are like constantly on this path of wanting things to evolve and change. Yeah, and we're witnesses to it. Yeah. We are witnesses daily. Yeah, to the evolution of our children, mm-hmm. of our relationships, mm-hmm. of our personal journeys. Yeah, and yet, standing there in the kitchen making dinner, I can feel like nothing's changed. Right, or you know, I can sit there and feel like I haven't gotten anything back to normal. Mm -hmm. Even if I go through the whole, I can totally see how not returning to normal is the right thing for me to do. (laughs) Even that story, the new normal, Mm -hmm. does it change whatever this lurking, staying the same thing is? Yeah. Yeah. I'm comparing it to almost like our haircut conversation in a way because it's like we can't get back what we had before. (laughs) (laughs) We're not exactly happy with the way things are now. Right. But we can't picture what we want outside of knowing. Like, it's like we need we do need to find a new normal that works for us that we like, but we don't know what that is. So it's hard to strive for that because it's not something we've had yet. (laughs) Yet. (laughs) But perhaps perhaps we have to actually accept the old adage because Uh it's I mean, because it feels a little like. We may be right in the middle of yeah. the new normal. Yeah, and this we is, are. Yeah. This is as good That's, as it's getting. Yeah, yeah, And yeah. this is the yeah. change. Yeah. And I don't, you know, maybe it's just that if there are children in your house mm-hmm. all the time, that there's never going to be yeah. any, like, consistency right. forever. Like, right. for the rest of your life. Yeah. So is it that you accept the new normal... You witness the change, uh-huh. witness the evolution, and accept that you're still standing in the same place. It's like being yeah. on it's like being in a new house and being like, we've stripped down this old broken house. We have built it up. It is yeah. all beautiful now. Yeah. Everything is clean. The plumbing's replaced, all the electricity's <laughs> replaced, all that. But at night when you go to sleep, you still hear the humming, like right. coming from somewhere in the house, and you're yeah. like, God damn it! <laughs> we changed everything. Is it possible to look at the things that stay the same mm-hmm. in a good light? The things that stay right? the right same. Right, because right now we're oh, saying right. all the things that stay the same yeah. tend to be the hard things. The hard the things. things we're having a hard time with. Well, yeah, I'm thinking it's actually, I think, like, getting comfortable with the new normal probably has to do, for me, mostly with giving up control because... I know. You gave me the big wide eyes. I gave eyes. you the big eyes. Because if you think about, like, what are we waiting for to get things back to quote-unquote normal the yeah. way we want them to be, we're waiting for everyone to go away so that we can control <laughs> everything again and set everything up exactly the right. way we want it, which won't ever happen unless our families go away. We right. don't actually want our families to go away forever as much no, as we'd no. like to joke about that. Right. We love our families. But, like, if your family is part of your life... We can't control all those people. So it's kind yeah. of like finding a way to enjoy oh yeah, 
things in a different way. Like I can't, I can't enjoy how I set everything up because I'm not in charge of setting everything up. I can only just like enjoy, I can only enjoy things in a different way now. Yeah. Maybe we should swap what's good and bad because we're, we're working on the assumption that the more things change is good. Right. And the more things stay the same as bad. Right. So maybe we should perceive all the change uh-huh. as bad uh-huh. and uh, all the, there are still people in my house. Yeah. That's good. That's good. I like those I people. I still like, you know, my yeah. partner. That's, That's good. good. Yeah. I still make dinner every night. That's good. <laughs> yeah. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I still have these sheets yeah. And they're really comfortable. Yeah. That's staying the same. Yeah. That's that's really I think nice. We're on the right track here. I think so. We have a Jumbotron this week. This week's Jumbotron is brought to you by Amaze.org. You're headed to school drop-off when suddenly you hear it. It's inevitable. Your five-year-old asks, where do babies come from? You could panic or you could go straight to Amaze.org junior. The sex ed creators behind the award-winning Amaze are launching Amaze Junior providing parents with honest, comprehensive, and age-appropriate sex ed videos to watch with their four to nine-year-olds. Amaze Junior helps you navigate those tricky conversations about growing up like a true sex ed expert. For more answers to little kids' big questions, go to amaze.org junior. You can spark honest and healthy conversations and make sure your kids know the facts and feel good about their bodies. So visit amaze.org junior for more. One Bad Mother is sponsored in part by Baked by Melissa, dedicated to making incredible cupcakes. Guys, I was coming home from work, and I walk onto the porch, and there is a box full of tiny cupcakes. They were delicious. They were still fresh and moist. My children came home, and they were like, cupcakes! And they're so small. It's like, yeah, go ahead and have like five. Yeah. Fine. And we got to try the Valentine Day cupcakes special. And there was red velvet, which was delicious. There were all these like double chocolate, salty caramel. And oh my God, we ate all those delicious cupcakes. This Valentine's Day, guys, you can send your loved ones the perfect gift with Baked by Melissa. Go to bakedbymelissa.com slash badmother today. Sign up. Make sure you sign up for an account. It's up to the left. And use a promo code. It's badmother to get 15% off your next order. So that's bakedbymelissa.com slash badmother. Sign up for the account. Use the promo code badmother and you'll get 15% off your order. This is a special offer exclusively for podcast listeners. So make sure you take advantage. Hey, you know what it's time for this week's Genius and Fails. This is the part of the show where we share our genius moment of the week, as well as our failures, and feel better about ourselves by hearing yours. You can share some of your own by calling 206-350-9485. That's 206-350-9485. Genius fail time, Teresa. Genius me. Wow. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I saw what you did. Oh, my God. I'm paying attention. Wow. You, Mom, are a genius. Oh, my.
God, that's fucking genius. So Gracie receives Ask Magazine. It's like the arts and science magazine for kids. Cool. Or one of them. And she loves it. And a few months ago, there was like a contest where you draw a picture of like how you could invent something to add to your body that would be like a helpful thing. Oh, cool. And she was really excited about that. So she drew a picture and she really wanted to send it in. And she was really excited about the idea of winning the contest and getting her picture in the magazine. And I was just like, oh, my God, I hate everything about this. It's <laughs> so annoying. It's so much work to get this. You have to sign. You have to write a little contract and yeah. sign off and make special copies and <laughs> mail it to the thing and blah, blah, blah. But I love my child. So we did it anyway. And she drew this really cute little picture. And then it got returned in the mail <gasps> because they couldn't read her they said it was undeliverable, as but I could read it perfectly, whatever. <laughs> um, it was really frustrating. And then it just sat on our counter for like two weeks, and I kept forgetting to do anything with it. And I kept thinking like, well, this should be like up to her to like fix it and like put it in the mail, but I have to walk her through all that, blah, blah, blah. And that just like wasn't happening, wasn't happening, wasn't happening. And she did ask me about it a couple of times. Like, did they, will we, blah, blah, blah. You know, yeah. like she's thinking about it. And so finally one day I had a moment and I just went, I need to just get this in the mail. I'm going to feel terrible if this doesn't yeah. get back in the mail, yeah. you know? So I went to all the trouble to get a new envelope, a new stamp, blah, blah, blah. Filled it all out. Was extra careful about yeah. the address and everything and sent it off. And then, you know, months have passed and she checks every issue and oh, it's yeah. never like the one that from that one. And I had to like explain this is how they do them. They do them way in advance and everything. Well, we got home from our trip late last night and the magazine was there for this month and her picture is in the no magazine. Way! Yes. What? And she's Oh, I mean, she can't even. Yeah, she can't even. It's the best thing that's ever happened. She's freaking out. She's totally freaking out. Oh, Um, my god! And I'm so happy. I'm just so so glad that I did that. Oh. And it's great. That's so awesome. So three cheers for that. Can I ask what the part was? It's like um, a million tiny hands. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. It's like a million tiny hands that go off in every direction. Yeah. That is incredible. Yes. Thank you. Good job. Thanks. Okay, Ellis has been, I like how we say, going through a phase. Yeah, Uh, sure. Sure. Ellis wants stuff, Uh like a lot. We've talked about this. I feel like we talked about this recently, where it's like, he'll tell me he wants it, Mm -hmm. and I'll say, that does sound nice. Mm -hmm. We can't have it right now. Mm -hmm. And then it goes to 100 Mm -hmm. immediately with full hysterics and, like, you know, the physical. I mean, just, like, it's... The grieving process. A massive yeah. grieving process. Yes. And that's exhausting. And it's been like two to three times a day, mm-hmm. every day for a while. So I go to my therapist, which is genius in itself, and I yep. happen to mention this, that I, this fatiguing. Yeah. And she gives me an idea that I implement and she says, you know, because she goes through the whole thing. I'm like, have you been saying that you really understand? I'm like, yes, I am so down yeah. with him telling him I feel yeah. his feelings. And she said, have you tried an I want jar? Yeah. And I was like, what? And so basically when he says, like two nights later, we're at dinner, we're all sitting there. And he says, 
I really want this transformer power box. And I said, oh, I bet you do. That sounds like that'd be really awesome. And he's like, I really, really want it. And I just jump in and I say, how about we write it down on a piece of paper and we keep it in a jar that's just for the things that you really want? And Stefan's face just goes, what? Like, <laughs> and Ellis goes, yes, that would be great. The jar is overflowing yeah, at this point in time. Sure. But it has yeah. eliminated. That's great. Because he knows yeah. that we know what he There's wants. There's a place There's to a put place that. There's a place to put it. Yeah. Yep. God. That's great. I felt amazing. That's great. Thank Such you. Such a good idea. Hi, I'm calling in with a genius, and um, my genius is lately, before I leave my office to go and pick up the kids from daycare, I always um, go to the bathroom before I leave because I was finding that I was going and getting the kids and then getting home and letting the dogs out and getting dinner ready and running around and then basically barely making it to the bathroom before peeing my pants every night by the time, like, at seven or eight and realizing that I was very uncomfortable. So my genius is I'm actually going to the bathroom when I need it, just like I tell my toddler. <laughs> Way to listen to your body. <laughs> it's so and good. go to the potty. I do this now. I pee yeah. at Gracie's school every time yeah. I'm there because I'm just like, I might as well. Yeah. <laughs> because it's true. You will sit there and suddenly be like, yeah. You'll, I'll have a thought that I have to use the bathroom. Yeah. And then I'll be like, three hours have now passed. Yeah. I really should have gone. Yes. My body is amazing. Yeah. Well, you are amazing. You are. You are amazing. Good job. Good job. <laughs> Self-care. Yeah. Failures. Fail. 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 You suck. Fail me, Teresa. Well, speaking of peeing... <laughs> um, <laughs> Somehow before our flight yesterday, I managed to pump myself and my five-year-old full of liquids. Yeah. I got myself an iced coffee at the airport right before the plane. I got him a thing of milk. We both drank all of it. Yeah. And then they didn't turn off the fastened seatbelt sign at all on the flight, It's which is a short flight, but like by the time you board yeah. and all of that, Oscar and I ended up both needing to pee like on the descent oh. like we both ended up just running to the running, bathroom because yeah. we were like we have to the yeah, fast seatbelt light is still on but it's never gonna go back yeah like there's no so we both i had to go myself and then i came back and he's like i gotta go seriously needing to go yeah. so i had to go twice oh. the second time to take him and i was like why why did i do that yeah i, I don't know i don't know why i did I that <laughs> have you have you been a parent before? Have I ever Have traveled before? Do you know how small children's bodies work? <laughs> and my own. And your own. Yeah. It uh, was not a proud moment. Wow. That's disappointing. Yes. You're doing horrible. I know. So, I don't know. Stefan and I, we were, Katie Bell shares with us some sort of like childhood, you know, fruits associated with body parts. Strawberries, coconuts. <laughs> Something banana, pink banana. And I, I was like, what? And she's like getting all giggly. And I'm yeah. like, oh, I get it. The pink banana. I, I understand yeah. what the pink banana is. Yeah. I understand the coconuts. It took me a while yeah. on the strawberry, but I figured it out uh-huh. uh, thanks to the help of my daughter. Anyway, I turned to Steph and I said, see? And yeah. I was worried 
that this kind of stuff yeah. wasn't going to come into my child's life, yeah. good or bad. And we started like, we're, we're just all kind of playing. And then he suddenly says, do you want to be, Katie Bell, do you want to be part of the Pen15 Club? Have you ever heard of the Pen15 oh, Club? This is I clearly a thing yes. that people, like especially if somebody fell asleep, are you right? Anyway, yeah. you write on their hand, P-E-N-1-5, right. but that actually looks like penis. Right. Great. Fast forward two days God. later to a epic play date that Katie Bell was enjoying with a friend from school at the house. Uh-huh. And they're getting tickled, having lunch at the table. And one thing leads to another. And Katie Bell says to her, have you ever heard of Pen15? And I was like, oh, no, great. No. And I call yeah. Stefan. I mean, I text Stefan, who's out with Ellis, and I says, hey, this just happened. Yeah. He said, great. We are that house now. I was like, oh, yeah. No, we're... Obviously, that house where people are coming mm-hmm. and being taught things mm-hmm. that they want to know or don't want to know. Mm-hmm. So you're welcome, all friends of Katie Bell. Welcome to the Pen15 Club. <laughs> so dumb. Hi, guys. Um, I'm calling with a fail. Um, I just uh, took my kids to daycare and school, uh, respectively, and... I dropped the little one at daycare. It was such a great drop-off. He was smiling, didn't even say goodbye, was just joyful. And then I walked with the other one to the bus. We got on the bus. We took the bus two stops. And then I realized there was a lightness on my back, which meant that I wasn't carrying my older kid's backpack because I left it at the daycare. So we had to get off the bus. Uh, meanwhile, this kid had been home with a fever uh, for the past two days, so he was tired. And I had to make him walk back um, five blocks to the daycare uh, to get the backpack, made the younger one sob as soon as he saw me, um, ran out with the backpack, caught the next bus, took that one to school, and as I was leaving, uh, he started sobbing because it was just, terrible i just totally failed and he also asked me why did that happen why are you not smart and i i don't know i don't know why i'm not smart um you guys are doing a great job and thank you for the show and i suck bye oh hey <laughs> you are smart and you don't suck I mean, this was a particularly bad drop-off. But you were punished. You were punished. I mean, you were, like, brutally punished Uh, for this one one thing. thing. I know. I'm so sorry. I am so sorry. That's, oh, there's just nothing worse than the, like, I forgot the thing, and I know I'm going to go back in there, and it's going to set everything, and, like, oh. And you had both your kids crying at drop-off that day. Yeah. That's... You the know worst. What? They're the worst. <laughs> you should have taken the rest of the day off. You should be at home Netflixing it or something. I am so sorry. Yeah, me too. Yeah, but you you're doing a horrible job. Yeah. Okay. You are the greatest mom I've ever known. I love you. I love you. When I have a problem. One Bad Mother is supported in part by Care.com. 
dedicated to giving you an easy and reliable way to find care for everyone in the family when and where you need it. Guys, if you've been listening to this show, you're well aware of Care.com. Biz and I both have premium memberships. It's the world's largest digital marketplace for finding and managing family care. It not only connects you with great babysitters, but you can find housekeepers, dog walkers, tutors, errand runners, and senior care. To save 30% off at Care.com premium membership, visit Care.com slash mother when you subscribe. That's care.com slash mother for 30% off a premium membership. Hey, Teresa, let's call someone today. Today, we are calling Jody Patterson, who's a social activist, entrepreneur, and writer. She has been lauded for her activist work by Hillary Clinton, The Advocate, Family Circle, and Essence, among others. She sits on the board of a number of gender, family, human rights organizations, including the Human Rights Campaign. Patterson was appointed by the United Nations as a champion of change, and perhaps most impressively, she is a former circus acrobat who performed in the Big Apple Circus. Woo! We have her here today to talk about her new memoir, The Bold World, a memoir of family and transformation. Welcome, Jody. Thank you. How are you? I am good. It sounds like like going through that bio, I'm like... I love that intro. She is is flexible on many levels, clearly. (laughs) They clearly work for both. All that acrobatting clearly has played into helping you somehow. I'm glad you pointed that out. Literally, that has been my (laughs) concept recently. Like The more mentally flexible we are, uh, the more physically flexible we are, and they probably both tie into each other, the better off we are in life. So that is like, yeah, that's been my thing recently. Flexibility. That is a good thing. That is really great. Before we get into the memoir, I would like to ask you what we ask all our guests, which is, who lives in your house? Way too many people <laughs> and animals. <laughs> I have, I'm a mom of five, so I have in my house three young boys, 9, 11, and 13, and then two older people, 19 and 26, and then I have two geckos and a puppy. Oh, you have a puppy? Oh, we have a puppy. Wow. Her name is Patterson. Oh, that is nice. <laughs> Patterson is a good name for a puppy. Isn't it all confusing, though, because your last name is Patterson? I know, because when we take her to the vet, they're like, so is Patterson Patterson? (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, it's funny because I thought I will never have one more thing that I need to be responsible for after my fifth. fifth. And then, of course, two geckos came into our lives, which I kind of sort of quietly regret. And then one puppy came into our life. And I don't regret that at all. I just adore that the dog has added a whole nother element of compassion in our house. Oh, that's oh, so nice. That's, that's such really a nice. nice way to say that. Yeah, I, I was, <laughs> I, I've definitely made that proclamation in my house. Like anytime anybody asks for any pets, I'm just uh-huh. like I'm not taking mm-hmm. care of one more thing. Yeah, but it's nice to hear that even after five kids, you can kind of open your heart to yeah. a puppy. <laughs> that kind of. Makes I mean, sense. she when I when I started to really get into my puppy, I thought this is better because. Puppies are obedient and children are not. Yeah. So, like, I can put all of that need into my puppy. Yeah. <laughs> and then I can let my kids just do this thing and let, and acknowledge that they'll never be obedient little 
you know, cute thing. <laughs> I love the puppy more. Go to your room. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the puppy gets to so stay funny. and wait and watch a movie with me. Not you. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right. That's real love. <laughs> Let's get into the memoir, The Bold World. And it, there is so much to uh, explore within this memoir. But I think for our listeners who haven't read it yet, I I guess let's just start with what led to the memoir and especially just, you know, you started off with talking about being from New York, but this tie to the South and that, that seemed to play a very important role. So I guess just take us through what got you to this memoir. What were you, what were you going for in terms of of needing to write this? Mm -hmm. I've always been a writer through all of my grade school years, I wrote in my journal. All of my college years, I studied literature. As a young adult, I worked in, in book publishing as a junior editor. And writing has just been a consistent outlet for me. Um, even in my career, I was a publicist. I was doing a lot of writing. And um, even in the fashion industry, when I worked for Zach Posen, I was writing some of his public speeches. So I, I have been compelled to write for all of my life, pretty much. And then as I was in the beauty industry, oh, I didn't tell you, I've had like 17 different jobs, careers. (laughs) But when I was in the beauty industry, I was writing a lot about identity. You know, what what compels a woman to feel beautiful and what compels her to wear pink lipstick versus red lipstick? Like how, what's the beauty from inside of us? Mm -hmm. And I was writing a lot about identity and working in in a field that is very superficial, the beauty industry. Yeah. And I was a bit torn. And then at the same time, I was raising a family of nonconformers. And one of the nonconformers is my, my son, Penelope, who's transgender. So as I was learning more about Penelope and about, and about gender being different from how I was raised to think about it, I started to really use the pen and the paper even more. Yeah. Putting down my notes, playing around with ideas, writing letters to people, writing questions. And really engaging in uh, the written conversation. And so when I left the beauty industry, I just decided to fully immerse myself in writing. And I thought one summer, I'll write a book. (laughs) Because I don't know, why why not? And I had many ideas, but I really landed on this idea of my family's journey and my family's story. Because I didn't want to write Penelope's story, my son. That's for him to to tell if he wants to. But this is really more about the journey of myself, transitioning from someone who didn't know much about gender being flexible and being expansive and being non-binary to someone who now knows a lot more. So it's a really, it's really, it shows my transition. And in showing where I started to where I've come, I had to talk about and share, shed light on my family. So you go down south with me, you go back multiple generations, back multiple states of mind even, and you come all the way up to the present where I am living in Brooklyn, (laughs) raising my five children, my two geckos, and my dog. (laughs) I know. Well, okay, this is what struck me so much, and I'd really like us to kind of delve into this. There's so much, especially in the, the beginning chapters of your book, all the way, I mean, throughout the whole book, but really in the beginning... There was so much about the roles associated with gender in your life, mm-hmm. with what, what men are, what women are, how money is controlled, how that links to power, the women needing men to be, I, like there's a line that your mother's like, why don't you just let 
your husband, you know, have that power. Do something nice. Yeah. For him. Yeah. Like lingerie is nice. You know, I remember just being like, ah. <laughs> so like but but you go with this saying, you know, like this is sort of you you talk generationally about how the role of gender, the role of power, your grandmother had been the I think it was your grandmother who had been the breadwinner in the 1920s. And like, as a result, your father really felt he had to amp it up (laughs) as the provider, Mm -hmm. you know, in yours. I mean, I know so much of your book is about this, but I I would love to talk a little bit about this journey. I mean, sometimes for us, even if we just have kids who are, are, you know, heteronormative, it can change Mm -hmm our view on how we've been looking at roles and what we thought the balance of power was. I mean, kids come along and it can really change our view on lots of things, everything. But then you've got Penelope and uh, yeah, that just seems like such a shock to your system in terms of adapting your view. Can you, can you kind of tell us a little bit about this journey? Absolutely. I mean, I think you hit it right on the, the nail on the head, gender is complex because it yeah. tells us in gender roles. And then when you talk about gender norms and yeah. um, in all of that, you'll hear, you'll see a very complex story. It tells you a lot about where we were and also <laughs> where we're going. And so, and in each family, you'll have a bit of both. You'll have past cultural expectations put on you. And then you will have current looking forward views as well. So in my own family, I came from a very traditional family in many ways. And my father was was a black man growing up in Harlem. And at that time, it was hard for black men to work. So his father was rarely able to find work. And his mother was always able to find work working with, within the homes of white people. So he was raised by his mother. He was raised in an environment where his mother brought home the money. Mm-hmm. And his father oftentimes was at home providing for the kids. That flip of power bothered my father. It bothered, it felt like the world was upside down for his, you know, for him. And I think that when he became a young adult, he worked really hard to be financially independent. And then he worked really hard to contain, control power, you know, because someone who grows up feeling like power will be stripped from you as a black man, it was his mission to be powerful and to be strong and to be self-sufficient. And so... The house that I was raised in, (laughs) my father was the provider. My father was uh, the dominant personality. And my mother, very well-educated as well, very smart as well, was the provider of the emotions and and, and watched after us as as a mother would do from her home, from the home. And so I had this very traditional background, my mother at home and my father out in the world. But I grew up in New York, in Manhattan, (laughs) you know, in 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 the 70s, 80s, and 90s. And so I went on in my life and did the things that you know, a quote unquote modern young woman would do. I went to college. I was able to go to college and I was able to come back to New York and work in um, all of my fields that I, that I followed, all of my passions that I followed. And so I had these traditional upbringing norms where um, that were set by my parents, but I had expectations that were uh, attached to my generation. And I thought I would be a very radical parent. I thought I would be very, um, you know, yeah. as radical as could be. And I thought I was going to raise a feminist. I thought I would actually conquer the world through my children. You know, I thought I would raise radical kids. But when it comes down to it, when you have a lot of children to feed and to organize, sometimes we fall back into very simplistic and comfortable roles. And so 
even I fell into, and my husband and I, we fell into very traditional roles. He was a banker. I was an entrepreneur. Most of my time was focused on the children. Sometimes I went out and did my entrepreneurial work. And so, you know, I see it all the time happening where you have the the complexity of where you come from juxtaposed to where you're going or where your dreams are or where, where your ambitions are. And so I've always been torn between uh, tradition and and forward thinking. Yeah. And of course, I get the most complex family ever with multiple genders, <laughs> multiple ethnicities. You know, we're all, we are a very blended family. I've been married twice. Uh, my first husband is from Vietnam and Switzerland. My second husband is from Canada and Ghana, West Africa. So we have lots and lots of different um, norms, even within our own family. Yeah. I think you touched on something, you know, we've kind of touched on it here before, that idea of when the chaos starts to hit with children yeah. in your house, however they got there, <laughs> like it, <laughs> you can really suddenly find yourself what is going to be the easiest thing here. And as a result, you know, routines can start, things can begin to shift, yeah. and you're not even aware until later that you have set up definitions of, of how roles are going to play out in, until they're set. It's, it's tricky because I really respected the way my family, I respected my family. Yeah. Even though I knew it wasn't perfect, even though I, though I wished my mom and my dad had done something differently, when it's all said and done, I thought, wow, I come from a great family. I yeah. come from, you know, folks that have done great work in civil rights and great work in the finance world and great work in the educational system, you know, sort of advancing America, making us a better, more diverse, more accepting community. And so I thought, you know, look, I have a tough job. I'm a mother of five. Let's yeah. fall back on some tried and true, you know, practices. Yeah. And many of those practices now that I look at it with more clear vision, they don't work. Yeah. They, do, just, they just don't work. And so all those families stay together longer, perhaps. And maybe there seems to be some more stability within families at that time. What's apparent is that identities were not being recognized and people were feeling that oppression, really. Yeah. And and it wasn't coming out. It was coming out in strange ways. (laughs) And we can see that, right? So, like, when you're not accepted and when you're not accepting of others in your true true form, you know, it it gets pretty dicey. And so I knew at a certain point that I definitely had to course correct on some of the uh, old (laughs) traditions of my family. (laughs) Yeah. Yes. I was like, is she going to course correct? (laughs) I was like, ah! What's happening? Um, well, yeah, you're, you're reading the book and you're like, oh, no, oh no. going down that path. I was. I was like, how do we come out on the other side of this? But actually, that's what I, that's kind of my next question, which is, I guess I'd like to know a little bit about your process in, in learning about gender in mm-hmm. a different way. And I want to use this word that I feel really defines everything you've been doing, and that is compassion. You obviously have compassion for your family. I mean, there's Mm -hmm. the fact that you can find these things to be proud of with your family and with different stages in your life. That takes great compassion. And so I'm sure that plays a large role in this. But again, the process of of learning. Yeah, of learning. Because learning's learning is hard. I have said that <laughs> it can be. We all want to do it. But sometimes it yeah. is difficult. <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. School is never over. Yeah, like really, <laughs> Even when yeah. you graduated from college and That's grad right. school and business, it's never over. And what we think 
as adults is that we get to a certain point and we are experts. And a lot of times it feels that way. You know, you've, you've taken that, that path before on the highway. You can almost do it without even looking mm-hmm. scary, right? Mm-hmm. You know that, you know, you're going to always have some grumpy colleagues at work and you know how to work around them and maneuver that whole environment. And you know that the kids don't want to brush their teeth or eat their whatever. And so you figured out tricks to navigate that. And they're not surprising. These little bumps in the road aren't surprising. But when you learn that your child is transgender, there's nothing that I could tangibly point to that was preparing me for that. I didn't know the word. I hadn't heard it before. I didn't even know that gender was something that was non-binary. I thought it was male or female. You choose one of two or you are one of two. Right. So when I found out that that is not the case, I had to either reject what my child was telling me, like just toss the whole concept out, toss away my child's statement and essentially toss my kid out, right? Because my kid is saying, mama, I'm not a girl. I am a boy. And was saying this year after year, not one time, but year after year, month after month. So I could say, I don't believe you. And I could have tossed that out. Or I could look at the entire world and say, where, where's my blind spot? You know, if my daughter is actually my son, what else in this world don't I know? So it's this huge, <laughs> <okay>. yeah. <laughs> it's, this, it's this huge window right. of opportunity. And yeah. I actually thought about it really. I mean, after you get past the guilt of not yeah. being prepared. And after you get past the uh, the shock and the fear of your kid being so different that maybe the world isn't going to accept your ch- the kid, mm-hmm. but once you get past that, there's like a, a endless amount of really fun information. And if you are a geek about information, you're going to love it. There's this beautiful broad body of language around gender that I never knew of. Yeah, and you can like do ten thousand hours, as, as Malcolm Gladwell says, and really get into it. And so I think. My process looked like the internet, looking at theories and doctors and language and vocabulary and hospitals and, you know, personal stories. So I did, I mean, 10,000 hours on the internet, which is, you know, a bit exhausting <laughs> at the end. I was going to say, sometimes that's a good thing. Sometimes that's a... <laughs> yeah, it was horrible after a certain point. And I said, okay, you know, F, F the internet at this point. Now that's I need right. real life experience. And so then I started to widen my friend group and I made friends that were outside of my heteronormative cisgender community. Yeah. So then we started traveling and, and literally going into the areas that we didn't know places where the LGBT community was and we made new friends. And that to me was one of the biggest learning curves for me. My friends, when I started this process, all looked like me, (laughs) black, female, (laughs) educated, cisgender. And now they're totally different. And I don't have like, I have statistics that I found on the internet, but I have real life stories and, and experiences that tell me that gender is not what I thought it was. I think that fear and uncertainty in so many different situations keep us Mm -hmm. from taking that step into other communities, into other circles to learn about things we don't know about. You're absolutely right. I was at this, I work with the Human Rights Campaign, which is our largest LGBT human rights organization. And we had a gala the other night and I walked into the room and I really love the organization. I sit on the board of directors. I walked into the gala and my girlfriend whispered to me, and she's also a black woman. She whispered to me, is this the Republican party here? (laughs) You know, she said, we are the only black, you know, she felt like we were one of the only few black women, black people there. And she made, you know, she was joking, but she was making some assumptions. And I thought to myself, you know, 10 years ago, I might not have 
found a reason to be in this community or this group of people, yeah. mostly white, mostly male, mostly wealthy. Just, just LGBT, that's what brought us together, right? The fact that my kid is trans and someone in their family, family is either trans or gay or lesbian or bi or intersex, that's what brought us together. So there are these moments that these things that would have normally, we thought, divide us, yeah. they bring us together. And so in a, in a community that I probably would not have ever felt like I was at home, I felt so at home. You know, it's like, oh, there's a whole other world. It, it is, as your title says, the bold world. I just, <laughs> yeah, you must it's be so bold. True. I just want to say, I mean, I could talk to you for like eight more hours. I thank you so much for joining us, Jody. We're going to make sure that everybody has a way to link up to the book, The Bold World, a memoir of family and transformation, as well as to all of your activism work. We'll make sure that there's a link to the human rights campaign as well for people to learn more about thank that. You. Thank you so much for joining us and for this memoir, being willing to, to share this experience. Your voice is definitely needed. I appreciate it. And I appreciate the fact that people are being sort of flexible in their approach to this. It's confusing. It doesn't necessarily feel like it relates to everyone. But when we start to look at, you know, what do families need? Yeah. What do we need to get them? to be happy, independent, alive, then we start to look at the big topics, gender and race, and within that identity. And so I think if you are at all interested in how can we be better parents, how can we be better providers, then there's something in this book for you. You know, it might not feel like spot on if you're not dealing with someone who is transgender, but I guarantee you identity touches all of us. And so I just hope that people are responsive to the idea of of finding new ways to to be and to be alive together. I agree. It doesn't, I mean, like, it should not come down to every story fitting a certain mold. Mm -hmm. It should be as many stories as we can get from as many different types of people with as many different experiences. Because I think that with the the broader, I mean, we've been thinking too narrowly for too long. Absolutely. Only listening to one voice or assuming only one voice can tell us something as opposed to, you know, especially with parenting, I just feel like Wow, how how unfair is it to say that only one voice has the market on this and that I can't learn anything from this variety of experiences? If the co- common goal is loving and supporting your child, I will take as many voices reminding me that that's the important thing to do. Absolutely. All day long. So thank you so much thank for you. joining us. Absolutely. Have a wonderful day. Okay, you too. It was a delight talking. Not all heroes wear capes. Some heroes watch war movies and then review them. (laughs) 
Friendly Fire is a war movie podcast for people who don't necessarily like war movies, although it does not exclude people who love war movies. I'll have you know that I am wearing a cape. My cape is just made of sound-deadening material from an audio recording studio. (laughs) It's a really great show. John's daughter doesn't like it because we sometimes say swear words on it, but almost everybody else that has ever listened to it has enjoyed the, the program. Download and subscribe to Friendly Fire wherever you get your podcasts. To the victor, go the spoiler alerts. I'm bailiff Jesse Thorne, and justice is within your reach. My mom refuses to take my phone calls. My boyfriend says I should take our cats with me to graduate school, but I think he should keep them. In the court of Judge John Hodgman, justice rules. My partner's board game collection is out of control. My sister won't stop stealing my clothes. I'm Judge John Hodgman. I'm tough, but fair. I'll bring you justice, and I'm only a click away. Tipping. Automotive etiquette. Siblings. Roommates. If you've got a case, go to MaximumFun.org slash JJHO. Judge John Hodgman is tough but fair. fair. Subscribe to the podcast today. Judge John Hodgman rules. That is all. I love her. Yeah. That's great. It's a great book. It it really is a remarkable book. It was so insightful and so... It's such an incredible journey that I, I think... I can relate to so many things that she did talk to in the book, as well as she was on the show, just about, like, learning. There's so much more to learn. And I like learning. (laughs) (laughs) You know what also is instructive? Listening to a mom have a breakdown. Hi, you guys. This is a definitely a rant. And... So we were affected by Hurricane Michael earlier this year, and we lost our home. So uh, we moved in with my mom, who had just moved 12 hours away, which was great and better than the 36 hours away she was. But um, her house had this unfinished 400-square-foot studio apartment, so we were grateful to be able to move in there. Um, with my two kids, a four-year-old and a two-year-old. And so that's been hard to get them a sense of normalcy and me a sense of normalcy and try to grieve and process with us all in the first place anyway. But then my husband had to go back and help rebuild the city, which I'm so grateful that he's able to do. And he's living in a tent, so there's no complaining that I can do to him because he's just as broken as I am. But my two-year-old doesn't sleep, and I can't figure out how to balance this all. And I just feel like I can't I can't figure it out, and it's really hard. And things that shouldn't bother me are bothering me way more than they should And because I'm not getting any sleep, and I'm – I don't have any of my things, and I don't know when I'm going to be able to go back. And people are giving me a lot of advice, and I appreciate their advice, but it's not helpful because they don't know what I'm going through, and I don't even know what I'm going through part of the time. And 
just it's just really hard. And my two-year-old took off his diaper today, and he had pooped, and I was trying to clean the house. And it's not a big house. That wasn't a way. Like, it's not like I didn't – wasn't in the same room with him. And there's poop everywhere, and I'm tired. <laughs> my four-year-old is trying to help me, and she's great, but she's four, and – I'm just really tired, and this is really hard. And even if there wasn't a storm involved, it would still suck really bad because people aren't supposed to live in 400 square feet <laughs> without planning on it. <laughs> I think. I don't know. Maybe we would do fine. Anyway, this is probably not a useful rant for anybody, but thank you so much for letting me call in. And in case you need to hear it, you're doing a good job, and I'm going to try to do better. Thanks. Baby girl, you are you are doing as an amazing job you're doing. Yeah. Of course you're fucking tired. You're, yeah. Of course you don't know what's coming or going. Of course. That of sounds course. so overwhelming. That's, and so hard. Yes. That sounds incredibly Just having hard. a two-year-old who doesn't sleep well <laughs> is, is hard. really hard. It's yeah. enough to break you. Yeah, it really is. And I, yeah, I, I really want to make sure people don't think that that is being flippant in any way. When you don't have sleep, it is a serious problem. Yes. It is a real, it's the real deal. It's a crisis. It is, no sleep is a crisis all by itself. Now add anything to that pot. You can add, you can throw in anything into the stone soup that is not sleep. Okay? That is, you have got a village full of soup, of stone soup with this. (laughs) And you have a four-year-old, you're in an unfamiliar setting. You are, none of your stuff's there. Your routine is not there. Your partner's not there. By the way, you absolutely can also complain. Yeah. You absolutely can complain. Yeah, completely. It's okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's a partner balance thing you have yeah. to figure out. I'm complaining. You're going to complain. We're both going to complain. It's okay. No one's yeah. winning. As Teresa says, yes. I'm, I'm not trying to win yeah. in the complaining game. Yeah. I mean, I am, but like, uh, yes, I, I am, but... also know that that's not helpful. Uh, yeah, that it's not helpful, <laughs> but you, you can't complain. Don't take that one on, too, if you don't have to. <laughs> It's so hard. It's oh my so god! And I'm so sorry. sorry. I That's... know. I mean, this is you're just stuck in a yeah. place of unknown right yeah, now, it's just and so that's hard. really a hard place to be in. Yes. And you actually are doing a remarkable job. Yeah, you are. You really are. You are being such a good parent. Mm-hmm. You are. You are doing great. Yes. Teresa, what did we learn today? Not much. <laughs> Not much in terms of our discussion. I don't know. Things are... Eh, eh, I think what I constantly have to keep learning is that things are always going to be changing because there are people living in my house who I invited there. Yep. And... There are some pros and cons to that, <laughs> but the one thing that's going to be consistent is that they're going to be there. Yeah. Like, that's the thing that never yeah. changes. It really goes back to the yeah. feeling I was having when I thought of this topic. That is, oh, this is this is still happening. Yep. Going to keep happening. Yes. That's never going to change. In fact, maybe 
what stays the same is my constant surprise that nothing is the same. Right. Surprise! You're you're a parent. <laughs> that still here. Still happening. Nine years later. Nine years later. Still happening. We also learned that Jody Patterson's new memoir is wonderful and insightful. And I just I think it's a great read for people who are knee deep in a broader community and for some people who are looking to take a first step Mm -hmm. into a larger community. Guys, we're going to be in Portland in in a couple of weeks. Yeah. March 2nd. We're going to be there. It's going to be fun. Oh, it's going to be fun. And we want to see you there. Yeah, we do. So go buy some, go buy your tickets. Go to onebadmotherpodcast.com. Live shows. Ticky, ticky, linky, linky. <laughs> but this is how I talk to my kids now. Live shows. <laughs> Click on the tick. Oh, God. <laughs> Come see us. Everybody, you are doing an amazing job. You are, you guys. Uh, I can't believe we uh, do this, you guys. Uh, I just only grunt and make noises now. Yeah. It's amazing. I can't believe what we all do. Uh, I can't believe it. I, it is unbelievable. Yeah. Teresa? Yes. I'm going to point at you. Okay. You're doing a great job. Thanks, Biz. So are you. We will talk to you guys next week. Bye. I got to low down mama blues. I got to low down mama blues. Got to low down mama blues. Low down mama blues. Got to low down mama blues. Got to low down mama blues. You know that right. We'd like to thank Max Bunn, our producer, Hannah Smith, our husbands, Stephen Lawrence and Jesse Thorne, our perfect children who provide us with inspiration to say all these horrible things, and of course, you, our listeners. To find out more about the songs you heard on today's podcast and more about the show, please go to MaximumFun.org slash OneBadMother. For information about live shows, our book, and press, please check out OneBadMotherPodcast.com. One Bad Mother is a member of the Maximum Fun family of podcasts. To support the show, go to MaximumFun.org slash donate. Well, Daddy, baby, fussing by, not throw down mama blue. Oh, said Daddy, baby, fussing by, not throw down mama blue. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.